Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. three of the Advent season. And as Jordan talked to us in the opening, it is, uh, the theme is joy. And while we're not necessarily following the Advent calendar this year in our sermon series, it does, um, it does align with where we're headed this morning. So in this series, we're talking about uh, fear. We're saying The title is Fear Not, Fear Not, and this morning I've entitled it Public Opinion. See, three times the angels appear and they say, fear not, to the characters in the Christmas story. Last Sunday, we talked about Mary, and uh, I preached out of Luke chapter 1, and Luke was written from the perspective of This portion of scripture was written from the perspective of Mary. And this week, uh, we're in Matthew chapter 1, if you want to turn to that. And it's from the perspective of Joseph, from Joseph's perspective. So last Sunday, Mary was wondering, what is being asked of me? What is being asked of me? When the angel appears and says, fear not, Mary, the first question on her mind, is what about me and what is being asked of me, what is required of me? And then today, Joseph, we assume, okay, so there's so many details not involved in this story. The scriptures don't give us a ton of detail around it. But we can assume that both Moses, both Mary and Joseph were human, which means they thought about human things. And they had questions, they had doubts. We believe that Joseph very likely was thinking, as the angel appears to him, he was very likely thinking, what will they say about me now? What will they think about me? And so, in order for us to prepare ourselves for the word this morning, maybe we should begin thinking about, do we care what people think? Do you care what people think of you? Is it important to you what people think of you? So let's just do a quick poll. Like, uh, if you really, really care about what people think of you, why don't you just raise your hand? Why don't you just raise your hand? All right. Now, those of you that have your hands up, just keep them up. And look around at the people beside you. And just know that they really, really, really care about what you think about them. Wow, that's the majority of us that didn't even have the courage to raise our hand and simply said, yeah, I really, really care about what they think about me. Don't we do that? We find ourselves wondering about what do they think about the clothes I'm wearing this morning? Like I didn't have time. I had to be here at 9.30 to get the kids in the classroom. I didn't have time to put on decent clothes. So I just put on what I had, what I slept in. I don't know. Did you, did you come with what you slept in? What did they think about me? What did they think about the car that I drove this morning? Like I didn't have time to wash it. I wonder if anybody's looking at the car and thinking, I don't know. 
I don't know about them. Do you care about what people think of you? In the age of selfies, it's pretty apparent we care what people think of us. We put the right filter on, and then, you know, maybe if we get this angle instead of this angle, we get the double chin down here, but out here, it's just a single chin. We care deeply about what people think of us. And today we're gonna look at Joseph, his response, and Joseph had a decision to make. He had a, there was this battle between what is easy and what is right, and what people want him to do, and what God is asking of him. It's a big choice. It's a big choice. It turns out that obedience is the thing that he has to really contemplate. Will I be obedient to what God is calling me to do? You know, we can look in scripture and we can easily find scriptures that will talk about the, um, the well, Ephesians 6, for example, Paul writes that children should obey their parents. Throughout scripture, there is a mandate for kids to obey their parents. And when we replicate that into our own lives as adults, we know that when scripture asks us to do a certain thing, when scripture lays out how then we should live, then we should live in obedience to what the scripture says. It's a little bit easier when it's in person and you are telling your kids, walk this way, and they walk that way because they're obedient to you. It's a little easier when you're looking at scripture and you're saying, you're reading right there in front of you. This is how we should live. We should not kill other people. Okay, that's a simple one for most of us. We don't generally go out and kill other people, so we'll obey that. But what happens, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and he's not visible right in front of you, but he's prompting you? To be obedient to what he's calling you to do. Isn't it so easy to dismiss that? Isn't it so easy to decide in that moment, yeah, uh, that can't be for me. That can't be for me. This morning, I'm glad Joseph and Mary decided to be obedient because what they ended up doing was incredibly significant. And if you and I want to do anything of significance, then we have to expect that criticism and, and, and opposition pushing back against us is going to be a natural thing that happens. I don't like criticism, and I don't, I don't particularly like opposition. But I do know that when it comes, I can put it to good use because it creates in me this ability to see more clearly. It creates in me this ability to allow the rough edges to be uh, rubbed off and it'll serve a greater purpose. What Joseph figured out in this scripture this morning, I believe, is that when we choose to please God, we will often disappoint people. When we please God, we may be disappointing people. So let me just set the stage before we get into the scripture. Joseph and Mary are engaged. And the engagement customarily in that day would have been a, um, a one-year engagement. So it, was, uh, it wasn't like uh, the guy gets down on one knee, presents the diamond, and says, will you marry me? And they can get married tomorrow if they wanted to. No, this was like a one-year deal. 
and it was permanent, so it was a betrothal. So they would be considered like already married, they just hadn't consummated the marriage yet. Now today, and I suspect that Joseph, if he would have had a modern mind, if he would have thought the way we think today, he would have really desired to be just like, um, after that conversation with Mary, let's just break it off. I think I'm done. That's what could happen today. Not so in that day. It was by death or through divorce that they could have gone their separate ways. So let's pick it up in Matthew chapter one, verse 19. Sorry, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. All right, so we're going to stop there. Let's go back to verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I are very comfortable with that storyline, aren't we? Like, we've heard it forever. If you grew up in the USA, you know about Christmas. You know that Santa Claus, uh, I hope by now, you know that Santa Claus is a real. So, but you know all about the Christmas story, right? You know, you know about Christmas. You know that there was a baby in a manger and he probably had straw under him and there were probably animals around him and shepherds and wise men came. You know the drill, you know the story. But we breeze right through the details. Like, how bizarre is this? Now, imagine yourself to be Joseph. Mary wants to have a chat. Honey. Uh, I'm pregnant. It, but don't worry. It's by the Holy Spirit. Guys, what are you thinking right now? She's either loco or a liar, and probably both. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. And I imagine Joseph is thinking this. What? 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 So now you have two kids that are really in big time trouble. These are two young teenagers, we assume, at this point. Mary's in trouble because, well, she's pregnant. And under the law, she can be stoned to death for having sex before marriage. And Joseph, he's like, well, what does this mean? What will people think of me? If I, 
I can just see him. Like he's pacing back and forth. It, I'm going to be marked for life. I, how am I going to, how will I back out of this? What will become of me? Will anyone give me a job after this? Like, what do I do? Well, let's go to verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Now, when Matthew writes that Joseph is, or that Joseph is a righteous man, Matthew is meaning to say he was selfless, he was compassionate, he was a just man. Look, if we're going to develop a pattern of righteousness, then we're going to walk that way regardless of public opinion. Some of you have taken a stand on particular issues in your workplace, in your school, and you know that the life of a difference maker is, is one that is the narrow road, is the more difficult way. It is the one that stands up and says, no, 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 no. I think that's the wrong way. Let's walk this way. But when you stand up and say, here's the right way to go, when you live righteously, you didn't just get to a point of crisis and then decide, oh, that's the way I'm going to live. You've decided a long time ago that in order for your life to count, in order for your life to be at its best, you are going to live a certain way. And if that certain way is the righteous way, you've committed to that a long time before you ever got to that crisis point. He was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided. He had decided early on. He decided to break the engagement. He wasn't just saying, I'm going to ditch her. I'm out of here. He's going to break the engagement quietly. That's a good thing to have perspective about. He's going to do it quietly. He's not going to make a lot of noise. He's going to quietly make this happen. And so in verse 20, he says, it says, as he considered this, I'm going to just stop there. As he considered this, as he weighed the pros and cons, Remember the old song by Clash? Do I stay or do I go? That's what he was doing. I think that's what he was doing. Like, what do I do? What's the noble thing to do? How do I do this quietly? Maybe I can start over with someone else. And maybe Mary can do something else too. Maybe she can find someone else to live her life with. Joseph was counting the cost. He likely knew he was walking away from a good reputation. I have to believe that as a righteous man, Joseph had a good reputation. He was about to walk away from that good reputation because he was going to, he's going to help her, help Mary retain her dignity. Quietly divorcing her meant that he intended to bring no accusation. He wasn't going to shame her. He wasn't going to bring shame on her. By not bringing shame on her, by doing this quietly, he is helping her to retain her dignity. But he is implicating himself with two immoral steps in his life. First, he's not denying, like, if he's doing this quietly, he's going to make sure she doesn't get stoned to death. You guys are a little slow this morning. He's going to make sure that she's safe, which means that he is 
not going to say, well, I didn't have sex with her. Couldn't have been me. He's quietly, he's contemplating, how do I do this quietly? How do I save her? And secondly, by doing this quietly and quick and just stepping back, he's abandoning her as well. So first he had sex with her and then he is abandoning her. Two things that will implicate him to the people of his day. Public opinion is going to be against him because of this. But he was willing to forego all of that to endure the scorn and gossip. Do you imagine the wags of Nazareth and what all they were saying in that time as they watched him? They must have been having a heyday. Look, if he isn't the father, he would denounce her. Look at him. Look at him. Reading on in verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Okay, so here comes the angel to him. Joseph, son of David, the angel said. You know what I love? The angel starts by saying, hey, Joe, let me remind you who you are. Do you hear the word of the Holy Spirit to you, come to you when you step out of the direction you know that you're intended to go in? When you mess it up, when you say and do and act in ways that you know are not aligned with the Spirit of God. When you know Jesus is calling you a different direction and you go the opposite direction. Do you hear him saying? Hey friend, let me tell you who you are. He starts out with that. You are Joseph, son of David. He's reminding him of his lineage, of his, his kingly lineage. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The, the um, King James Version says, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Fear not. And then he proceeds to tell him just what Mary had told him. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Say that with me. He will save his people from their sins. Again, this time I'll say it right. For he will save his people from their sins. This was the word of the Lord coming to Joseph and saying, your kid is going to be the savior of the world. And Joseph would have been a righteous man. He would have known some scripture. He would have known and he would have thought about the fact that for centuries this was foretold. This was, we know our savior is coming. Our our redeemer is coming. The one who will save us is coming. And this angel is telling me I will be the father of this child. But at what cost What is the cost to me? What what are they going to say? Am I going to be rejected? These are the questions you and I ask. Many of us, we we drift into wanting to please people. We We drift into leaning into and believing public opinion and popular opinion. What do they think of me? Do you like me? Can I be in your club? Do I fit in? Do I measure up? Am I cool enough? Can we be friends? And suddenly we find ourselves obsessed, don't we? With public opinion, which is a sure way to forget about God's opinion. When we go down the deep, dark hole of public opinion and aligning ourselves and finding ourselves in a place where our own worth and value is based on what public opinion says about us, we find ourselves in big time trouble. 
May I suggest that we become obsessed with God's opinion, and that's a sure way to forget about public opinion. When we are obsessed with God's opinion of us, when we lean into obedience because he's calling us to certain things, and regardless of public opinion, if God's opinion is more important, then we ought to lean into that. We ought to lean into and elevate God's opinion Regardless of the consequences, imagine the criticism Mary and Joseph endured over and over and over. Look, we're still talking about Nazareth, the little podunk village in Galilee. This wasn't a big-time city where they could just dissolve into the landscape. This was Nazareth. This was a place where likely everyone saw each other and knew each other. Imagine the criticism that they endured. the savior of the world, being born to two teenagers that said yes to God. A lot of us are not teenagers anymore. But we can still say yes to the work of God in our lives. Most of us, given the circumstances, would have said, no, no, I'll pass. But God seemingly knew what he was doing when he connected with Mary and he connected with Joseph. He knew what he was doing and he knows what he's doing this morning with each one of you as well. He knows your name. He knows exactly where you've been and where you're going. Your life is still ahead of you. Some of us are older than the rest of you. But our best days can still be in front of us. It depends on if we will rely on just, uh, if our obedience is dependent on whether we have all the details. Look, if Mary and Joseph had all the details, uh, it would have been a lot easier decision for them, probably, one way or the other. But they didn't have those details, and they said yes. See, we don't need to have the full knowledge of what the outcome's going to be. We simply need to do the next right thing. Mary and Joseph, they made a decision that was a catalyst for life change for millions and millions and millions of people. Imagine the ramifications of your next decisions. When you step into obedience, perhaps your act of obedience will actually change the world for someone else. I believe that. My whole heart, I believe that when you and I live into obedience, when we say yes to the power of God in our lives, that not only will our lives change, because of our obedience, someone else's life will change as well. Matthew chapter one, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. You know, I think it's a shame that Joseph has been, or at least in our um, contemporary experience, has been largely ignored, he's been unseen, he's been standing in the shadows, because if we took a little closer look at his life, we might actually consider his life one that we should emulate. We might see how to be a, a, um, a protective father, a husband that meets the needs of his wife and children, and actually puts his wife's and children's needs above his own. Joseph was a man that was preaching a life-affirming gospel in a culture captivated by the murderous spirit of Herod. Joseph got perspective. 
and he had a choice to make. Submit to fear and public opinion or face the fear and submit to God's opinion. He got perspective. He had a choice to make. He had pre-decided, if you will. When you and I, when we submit to God's opinion and dismiss the power of public opinion from our lives, then and only then are we prepared to be used by God. Then and only then are we able to look fear in the face and declare, we fear not. Then and only then can we say, whatever comes, I fear not. God is with us. Fear not. Would you stand with me? I wonder this morning what area of life that you know that you're being called into greater obedience in. What are the ways that you have determined that that is uh, too big an ask? Couldn't possibly do that. I wonder what that is for you this morning. As we consider the blessing of Joseph and Mary's obedience, their willingness to say, I will not be afraid. Like we almost place them in a place of superhuman effort. And yet it was those moments, those small steps that I have to believe they took over time. Because one doesn't just wake up one morning and decide, but one has decided over time to step into obedience, to step into a listening for the word of the Lord and then a following of what he's asking us. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.